0: Thank you for supporting Overcomer's Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 35 and verse 36. I want to read to you again from the New King James Version Bible, Mark chapter 5, verse 35 and verse 36. And why he was still speaking is he's speaking about Jesus. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. I want to talk to you from this topic this morning. I need to be connected to strong believers. If this is true for you, re- re- say that with me. I need to be connected to strong believers. When thinking of the word strong, and I, and de- when I define strong as powerful, secure, well-built, As it relates to people, it can simply mean that the person has the mental mindset and physical capabilities to overcome almost anything. We need to connect the strong spiritual people in our lives who believe in the power of prayer, his word, and has confidence in Jesus, especially when we're facing challenging situations. Relationships, and I mean relationships, connections, and association with others are an important part of our lives to help us overcome loneliness, isolation, and abandonment. Healthy and productive relationships can help us navigate through life's ups and downs, both spiritually and naturally. We need wise mentoring relationships to help us understand and process life that brings about challenges as well as success. A good mentor will help t- to teach us how to handle when we experience victories as well as when we might uh, uh, excuse me become the victim as well. My relationship with my, with my pastor has taught me so much about my family responsibilities, pastoral duties from God's perspective, and most importantly, how to be the best version of who God is creating in me to be. I'm a better individual because of the knowledge and understanding I receive from God's word by the way of my pastor. And I'm like most pastors that I know we want to be effective in what we do for the kingdom of God. And the word of God teaches how to handle a wide range of emotions that can hinder our ability to receive God's best for our lives say we're constantly dealing with loneliness, and I'm defining loneliness as being by yourself when you desire to be with others. In isolation, isolation to be separated from others, it may cause depression, oppression, stress, and such like if our faith in God is not at the level that it needs to be. Strong relationships in our lives will help us to see beyond our situations. They are they're in our lives to help us uh, to have victory that is clear victory that we see in Romans 8 and 28. Let's go to Romans 8 and 28. Romans 8 and 28 reads as follows. And we know that all things work together for good to those who who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together. Work together is defined as cooperate, put forth power together, and I mean power by being things that are challenging as well as good. They work together for our good. Why? Because we love God and we're called according to his purpose. Covid-19 has revealed how behaviors and attitudes change when people deal with loneliness and isolation from, for a length of time, even in the middle of a public health crisis. One of the things I've read in uh, one of the news articles I read was how suicide has plagued many people the thoughts of suicide as well as committing suicide during this particular time. But we know that God can help us overcome these particular obstacles that come our way. In my opinion, strong relationships are good and necessary when it comes to overcoming some of the moves and the mindsets that we deal with. When I mean by overcoming, gaining the victory, conquering and defeating the moves and the mindsets that we deal with. Let's go over to Genesis 2 and 18. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Genesis 2 and 18 reminds us that man was created to be in relationship with others. In relationship with others. In fact, that's what Genesis 2 and 18 reminds us. Notice what it says. And the Lord said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable, comparable to him. A helper there is someone to assist, to support, uh, bring about, to support, to bring about good. In fact, I, I believe good help is something that we should value and we should definitely treasure when you got good help in your life how many thank god for good help amen we understand according to the scripture that god created eve which is where we get the premise for marriage relationships which is good again genesis 2 and 18 serves as a guide to see how a healthy and a productive relationship should provide support Assistance and better for both parties. When I mean productive, to be fruitful, to bring increase, and to bring prosperity. That's how you know it's helpful. Good relationships should add value to us spiritually and naturally, but they also require us to re- to establish them as well as to maintain them. And I think it's important that we understand that it, it's, it's into our best interest to maintain good relationships. It takes spiritual maturity to discern God's voice from other boys when it comes to who and how we should connect and associate with others because they can have power to influence us in so many ways. When I mean discern, we need to recognize, we need to understand, and we need to distinguish when it comes to what is good for us and what's going to be beneficial to our relationships. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. The book of First Corinthians, chapter thirteen, and verse eleven. Hallelujah. First Corinthians thirteen and verse eleven. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And though this childish is defined as simple-minded, immature, baby mannerism, so Paul said, I put away simple things, immature things, baby mannerism things, because I realized I was becoming a mature Christian in my walk with Christ. And I thought about it from this standpoint, we have to ask ourselves the question. I prayed that this is none of us in the sanctuary, but during this particular time, how many of us have maybe possibility of picking up things we need to get rid of during this particular time we're in? See, when it dealing with racism, if you pick up that racism spirit, you gotta put that away. If you picked up a hatred spirit, you gotta put that away. When you got, you picked up an unforgiving spirit, you gotta put that away. You picked up something that during this time, fear or anxiety, you gotta put that away. Because you gotta understand, these things don't come from God. You can't render evil for evil. Are y'all following me here? God wants us to be in the position that we show love regardless of what we're going through. Why? Because He showed love. Let's let's break it. God is love. And the way they treated him and he still love folks, you know, that has to be something that we got to emulate. We got to emulate. A spiritually mature uh, married person has desire to be the best spouse they can be. And that only comes from taking heed to the word of God. See, a spiritually mature spouse says this. I'm going to be the best spouse I'm uh, that God wants me to be. I, I can't do nothing about my spouse being who she going to be or he who he's going to be. I've got to be the best spouse God wants me to be. And this is the problem. We want everybody else to change before we change. But God is saying we got to change ourselves before we ask anybody else to change. Lord, that a preach right there, one. Cause you know how people are—they want er, er, they want everybody else to change, but they won't look in the mirror and say, "God, what do you what do you want me to change about myself?" But God is saying, "You need to change yourself, and then let everybody else, let me deal with everybody else." And sometimes we so busy pointing fingers at everybody else and telling them what you need to do and what you don't need to do, we forget to look at ourselves sometimes and say, "You know what, Dobbs? You need to get things right. You're not doing what you need to be doing. And if you spend a little more time on yourself, you won't." Have have time to notice what everybody else is doing or not doing Mm-mm. the world is even excuse me it's equally beneficial for a single person to learn from those who have been challenged in their walk with christ how to overcome the pressures of the world see the world will come after single people they will tell them that they're, they're uh that what you're doing is outdated and does not work any longer See, the world and, and even our personal desires and ambition would try to convince a single person that God's way is outdated and does not work. And then they may see but that the problem is that if they think that that doesn't work, they'll think that something else God does doesn't work because God's plan is flawless. Are y'all following me here? God's way is the best way. And we have to know that despite what the world tells us. And God's way is never outdated. Let me tell you something. Giving is not never outdated. Praying is never outdated. Doing right by people is never outdated. Following the Holy Spirit is never outdated. And you may think it's outdated. The world may tell you it's outdated. But let me tell you what I've learned about the world. The world does not have a better alternative when they do tell you these things are outdated. Because God's way is always the best way. When we tell you that God created the heaven and the earth, they try to tell you some Big Bang theory or whatever they make up. Let me tell you something. God's way is always the best way. He's always the best way. But the enemy will try to convince you, try to send people in your life to validate the mistruths that he is trying to persuade us to believe. We have to remain connected to the people that God sends to us and not our flesh or the folks that enemy may send to distract us. See, the wrong association can change the trajectory of our lives based on First Corinthians 15 and 33. Let's go to First Corinthians 15, 33 you has gotta turn the page and be right there at it. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. One of the things I saw about this particular text is, is that when you establish good habits, what I mean by good habits, those that are beneficial, those that are useful, those that are have a good relationship with God, they are good habits, good customs, good morals. They're good habits. God has approved these particular habits. The enemy is going to try to come into your life through evil company. Evil is defined as wrong, wrong according to Scripture. See, we can feel good about somebody, but that doesn't mean that according to Scripture that they're right for us. Mm-mm. you got to understand that God's way is always the best way. And he puts his plan in our life according to the word of God. And we need to understand when evil comes our way, we got to be able to say, hey, hey, this ain't, this ain't right according to scripture right here. It looked good. It sounds good. It's good to the flesh. It's good to the eyes. It's good to the pride of life. But this is not God's way of doing things. And you got to know where, if it's not God's way of doing things, you got to put, abandon that and go God's way. Cause the enemy gonna see an evil, wicked, uh, wrong according to scripture, bad nature company that corrupts. It's gonna destroy and lead away from truth. It's gonna cause, perish what? Good habits. In other words, you, you got a good prayer life, but somebody will come into your life and say, you ain't gotta pray like you been praying. They'll come tell you, you ain't got to give like you've been given. You ain't got to fast like you've been given. You ain't, you ain't got to go to church like you've been doing. Why? That individual is after your good habits. He or she is after your good habits. They know that you're treating everybody right. You see, you see, They'll tell you something like this. You'll let them run all over you, ain't they? You're going to let them run all over you. But you're just doing it because you're doing it because of people. You're doing it because that's what God told you to do. And there's a difference right there. When you're doing it because this is the way God told you to do it, this is a good habit. But evil people will tell you that those good habits are not working. They're outdated. you saving yourself to marriage. That's outdated. That's an evil company. That's evil company. Listen, they'll tell you that going to church ain't right. That's evil company. you got to be careful about evil company. Because evil company go after good habits. They don't come after when you're doing bad. If you're doing bad, they say keep on going because you're doing bad. But let me tell you something. Evil company wants to destroy good habits. Good habits, good habits, good habits. And they're going to use Deception in order to do it. Do not be deceived. Do not be led astray. Do not be led in the error. Do not be led away from truth. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Paul also wanted to let us know that if one can be led astray by individuals, you one can be led astray by those who are practicing sin. Because those that practice sin don't like for you to do good around them. Because if, if you're doing good around them, it shows up they're bad that they doing. That's why you gotta keep on doing what's right. And the, the, listen, you can have a family member ain't doing right. You gotta still do good. Listen, you can have a loved one ain't doing right. You still gotta do good. You can have a co-worker or a business partner ain't doing right. You still gotta do good. Why? Cause you're not doing it to please them. You're doing it to please God. God, you are my maker and you're my my provider, you're my healer, you're my deliverer, you're my way maker. You're doing it to please God. Many times the lifestyle of missing the mark and making choices contrary to God's word can lead to corruption of good habits. Such as a lifestyle of holiness. You're practicing forgiveness. They say, don't you forgive nobody. You're practicing walking by faith and not by sight. And they're saying, listen, that stuff don't work like that. Oh, you got to believe. Listen, I wouldn't have made it if that didn't work because my whole life is dependent upon walking by faith and not by sight. I had to get to this point by following Jesus because I couldn't depend on the world to get me to this point. I couldn't depend on the system to get me to this point because the system want to step on you and twist their feet on you. But God wants you to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. God wants you to be the, a conqueror. God wants you to be an overcomer. Woo! God wants you to be everything he called for you to be. We also find ourselves, you'll find yourself, if you're not careful, evil company will have you questioning things such as giving, witnessing. You see, listen, witnessing don't work no more. Oh, God, are they kidding me? That's how we got out of the church, because somebody witnessed to us. Fellowshipping with other believers. Taking care of responsibilities. You know, some individuals, see, people with bad habits don't want you to take care of responsibilities. They want you to, listen, this ignore responsibilities. Where we're children of God, we take care of our responsibilities. Oh, yeah, tell somebody, I take care of my responsibilities. Ooh, shanda! listen, there's something else they'll come after is your devotion time with Christ. They'll come after your devotion time. They'll tell you that prayer doesn't work. They'll tell you that the things that you have, listen, took you years to get to some good habits. It took you years. Some of us didn't know how to pray, didn't know how to give, didn't know how to treat people right overnight. It took us years to get here. And now the enemy going to try to bring evil company to corrupt. These good habits. See, a good habit gonna take a long time to get. Even in the world, they say it takes 21 days to get a good habit. Sometimes it takes longer than that, in my opinion, but that's just my opinion. You know something else? I found that too, brother. Sometimes it, you can get, you can do good for 21 days, but it don't take but one day to slip into a bad habit. One day, you can eat good for 21 days, boy, and somebody can put some good old fried pound cake and ice cream in front of you, boy, and you're like forget all these 21 days. I finna go to work. Are oh, y'all following me? Don't take it one day. But you know what, though? I thank God for repentance and get back on them good habits once you fall back off the wagon. Because you ain't lived long enough until you fell off the wagon and you had to get back home again. Ooh, let me just get out of there that, because that, that started another sermon. See, Paul further warns us about the danger of getting too close to people who might uh, have not have the same spiritual beliefs as we do, as, the, as we believe in the one true God, which is Jesus Christ. It's good to witness others, but do not get too close to them. Oh, even in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, he urges them again to be not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Go to second Corinthians chapter six. 2 Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen and verse fifteen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Or what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Bela? Or what part has believer with an unbeliever? So he says, do not be unequally yoked together. Basically, don't have fellowship with someone who does not believe in Jesus Christ. Boy, they are unbeliever. they are faithless, they're unbelieving, they're. Not, they don't trust God in the little bit. They don't trust God a little bit. And so we we have to be careful. Paul addressed the issue in his first letter to the Corinthian church. He also addressed in his second letter to the Corinthian church. It must be important if Paul had to address it twice. That means that somebody in the church, not just, it was more than just a few, it had to be several people who were having fellowship with unbelievers. And Paul had to address that issue because he realized it was going to be detrimental not only to that individual, but to that church as well, because we don't need a church that's operating on belief. We don't, listen, there are enough churches that are operating in unbelief, I promise you, in this world right now. We don't need to be one of those churches. We need to be a church that walks by faith and not by sight. We need to be a church that believes God's word, what he said from Genesis to Revelation. We need to be a church that says God is the head, God is doing great and wonderful things, God is doing exceedingly abundantly above anything we ask for, pay according to the power that worketh in us. God is our way maker. God is who he said he is. Whoosh! He is who he said he is. The Lord wants to believe having such a close relationship with, with those who, the Lord does not want us to have a close relationship with those who do not believe. It can hinder our faith. And we need our faith in order to think, talk, and conduct our lives more like Jesus. Now, Not being close to a person does not mean that we should not be kind, welcoming, and loving them. We need to know how far to go in the relationship as we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be our guide. As believers, we can't afford to isolate ourselves from others and only interact with certain people because uh, how Will others see Christ if we keep him hidden behind our moods, our attitudes, and such like? Now, let's go go back to Jairus' predicament that we've been dealing with these last couple of weeks in Mark chapter 5. The timeline of events in Jairus' life that led up to this point. His daughter is sick to the point of death. He is sick. Seeing, seeking Jesus to come to his home and heal his daughter. He finds Jesus and seemingly is on the pathway of leading Jesus back to his house. He experiences an interruption. In the midst of interruption, he gets a negative report. Jesus begins to speak six powerful words to him. Do not be afraid, only believe. Jairus continues with Jesus, and they finally arrive at his house. Jairus has to make a decision about certain relationships. In fact, he is about to have to choose between some relationships and Jesus himself. And Jesus is known as our Savior, our Deliverer, our Healer, one who causes us to prosper. And Jairus did not need Unbelieving people influenced him at a point that he needed all the faith he that was available to him in order to handle the situation with his sick daughter. He needed to be walking by faith and not by sight. He needed to. His daughter was dead. And he needed, he didn't need to be hanging around unbelievers. Because unbelievers will walk you to the grave. They will, listen, they will hear something, and it's amazing. 50, they'll hear a report, they know 50 people done recovered from it, but the only one they remember is the one that died. Y'all didn't get that, some of y'all didn't get that, did you? 35 people recovered. Only one they remember is the one who didn't make it. They can tell you 35 stories, but now which one they choose? The one that didn't make it. God I've been healing folks for years, but the all they remember is the one that didn't make it. I don't need people like that walking with me to the doctor's office. I don't need people like that, that every time the doctor says something, it's the final say-so. I need people that walking by faith and not by sight. Say, so yeah, I know what the doctor said, but he or she don't have the final say-so. Listen, they, you, your finance can be jacked up. And, and then somebody can say, well, I burned my uncle like that. He had to file bankruptcy. Oh, Lord. I need to know that God will supply the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, I remember the time when your cousin went through that situation with that person right there. And the only time they remember is your cousin going through. You ever notice how the negative report will always show up at your door? They'll, they'll show up. I mean, negative report will find you quickly. It'll find you could You could be at a job minding your own business and a negative report will make its way to your to your room where you where you're working at. You could be at school doing your best, and all of a sudden a negative report will come to you at school. You could be at home watching television and a negative report will come into your midst. You got to be careful about negative reports. Negative report, cause I'm like I'm like the prophet said. Whose report do you believe? Oh, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord, and I choose to believe the report of the Lord. How many choose to believe the report of the Lord? I said, you got to believe the report of the Lord, even if I got to give you a negative report. You still got to believe the report of the Lord. Oh, I, let me get into this I, I want to share some things with you that God showed me in this particular text. First of all, based on Mark 5, 35, Jared received received information while he was still speaking. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue house who said, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Now, let me say this to you. When I say she's dead, she had a natural death. She was non-responsive. She was no longer alive. Why trouble the teacher and further? father? See, faith faces reality faith faces reality, but does not succumb to it. See, he realize that the current reality is temporary, but trusting God leads to eternal rewards. I'm glad that Jairus did not allow fear to guide his decision for his household. See, Jesus know how to minister to our faith, just as he did for Jairus in Mark 5 and 36. Do not be afraid. Don't be terrified or scared or seized with alarm. Don't be startled. Only believe. Think, it to be. Think what I'm telling you is true. Trust what I'm telling you. Place your confidence and be persuaded by my word. The ruler who was historically a man of influence was not in the midst. He was in the midst of a life-changing crisis. Had to choose to believe six words that will eventually change his life as well as his household for the better. This man was used to hear messages from scholars. Remember, he is the ruler of the synagogue. He was the ruler of the synagogue. He had heard messages from scholars and all type of individuals in in, in his lifetime. Because so, I'm new, in order for him to get to that point, he had to hear many messages. But these six words was his rhema. And so anytime you got a rhema from God, it may only, listen, I can preach for 45 minutes, but the if you get six words that will change your life for the better, you better hold on to them six words. You better hold on to them because I don't know what six words can change your life. I don't know. If I just said something earlier that said God would take care of that circumstance, that situation, that could have been your rhema. They come in the word and say, oh, I, I got what I wanted from the Lord. Because you know that God is going to feed his sheep, knowledge and understanding. We know when we're we'll coming to the house of God. Yeah, you might hear me, but many of you know the spirit of God is speaking in the sanctuary. You know that God has a word for us. You know that God going to deliver us. You know that whatever you're dealing with right now, God got the answer for what you're dealing with. Are you saying that? You saying that? I'm telling you because this is what God promises us, and all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. Let's go to the Father now. Mark five thirty seven, five thirty seven. Mark five thirty seven, and He permitted no one to follow Him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Knows how to. It changes everything. First, he had a crowd with him, but now he said, hey, nobody go except Peter, James, and John. Now, let me say this. Nobody, he permitted no one to follow him, to accompany him, to follow together except Peter, James, and John. You know, one thing about them, you read this particular text we're about to read. You don't really read about them doing anything special. You don't read about them praying, laying hands on the sick, or doing anything that is spectacular, in my opinion. But this is what I got from this. In order to be a strong leader, sometimes you got to keep your mouth shut. Mm -mm. Sometimes, in order to be a strong leader, you can't go in there with doubt and unbelief and so forth. If you don't understand what's going on, because sometimes, I imagine Peter, James, and John had never experienced something like this before. But he took them free because he knew something special about them. If they were not strong believers now, they had the potential to become strong believers. Because sometimes, you see, some people, if they went in that environment where... what. And saw what Peter, James, and John said, oh, it's over now, y'all. It, this is this is it. it. It's over. It's over. Go ahead and call the funeral home. Go ahead and get the plaque, get the casket, and make a decision what you're going to do with the body. That's why he couldn't take everybody with him when he went to that. See, being strong says, I'm not going to speak doubt, even if I don't understand what's going on. I'm not going to speak unbelief, even if I don't know everything was about to happen. See, being strong is not necessary coming in and talking about, well, we might do this or we might do this. Sometimes you got to let God be God and you just sit back and just be quiet. Being a strong believer, I I, you ain't got to know all the answers with being a strong believer. Sometimes being a strong believer says, you know what? We're going to have to pray about this because I don't really see what God is doing yet. But I, I believe God doing something, though. Sometimes being just being quiet and not speaking doubt and unbelief is being a strong believer. Because you read about it. He brought them with him. But really what he, Jesus did, he could have did by himself. <laughs> Good God, nobody. So a strong believer. Sometimes, because, see, you bring some people in that type of environment, oh, it would have been over. They'll say, oh, it's over, Jesus. They'll start, see, because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love us should eat this fruit. So, therefore, they would have spoke death over that little girl's life. They would have spoke what they saw. That's why you can't take everybody with you when you go to see the lawyer. You can't take everybody with you when you go see the doctor. You can't take everybody with you when you're having a serious conversation and you got rid with some real issues in your life. Because some people are going to speak doom and gloom. Listen, they're here testimony after testimony about what God is doing. But then all of a sudden, what they bring to the table is doom and gloom. By the time you finish with them, you'll be ready to throw in the towel with yourself. Like, oh, my God, it's over, y'all. And let me say this here before I go into it. I had to think about this for a moment. I, I said, you know what? Sometimes when you look at a text like this, you wonder how you would respond when you get in a situation like that. Can I be real with y'all just for a moment? I see why Jesus left the others behind. You know what? I had to be honest. There's a point, and I pray it's not now, a point in my spiritual journey I would have got left behind. Jesus would said, stay behind, dogs. You ain't ready yet. Lord, yes. I keep, keep, keep praying for us. I need Jesus. I know I need Jesus. You ain't ready Dobbs. You're not ready to see the miracle I'm about to perform in this situation. Because you still got doubt. You just still don't think I can, I can pay a little light bill in your household. You don't think I can put gas in your car. You don't think I can provide lunch for you every day next week for you to eat out. You don't think you're still dealing with this little issue. You ain't ready to want, see the dead come back alive again. You ain't ready to see me, amen, pay off the mortgage of your house and your church. You ain't ready to, for me, amen, to get, put you in business for yourself. You're not ready for the miracle I'm going to do in your life. You still, you still, I see, I see why you left them behind, God. Because of, I, I, I I, I can't get mad because I might have been the ones looking, I want to go, God. But he took Peter, James, and John, symbolic of strong believers. Now, this is the thing. If you want to stay a strong believer, let me give you a couple of things. Let me give you a couple of things. You must continue to build your faith if you want to be a strong believer. One way to remain a strong believer is that you 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 must make it a priority to build your personal faith. You gotta make it a priority. You say, Pastor, I got to build my faith. I gotta walk by. I gotta build my faith. I gotta come hear this word. I gotta study during the week. I gotta pray. I gotta do what it takes. Wind up down the road. I gotta pray. I might not pray for the whole time, but I might pray five minutes. God, before I get to this job, I need you to move on these people in there. Lord, I need you to touch these people. Oh, before I get home, God, I need for you to touch this household. I need peace when I get in this household. We're at him. Oh, God, before I go see this doctor, I need for you to touch this doctor. Lord, I don't, I don't need, no, that's prescribed for me you don't want me to have. I don't need for you to make a diagnosis not meant for me. I need for you, him, him or her, to read the right chart. I need for you to be who you are, God. I need, see a strong believer is constantly building their faith. They don't take their faith where their faith is now for granted. Yeah, I yeah, I was this I was this way in March, but I need to be father by October, November, and December. I need to be father. I need to be father. Number two. They they God provides the pattern and they follow the pattern. God provides the pattern. And we follow the pattern. Remember what Jesus did? Jesus said, listen, disciples came to him and asked, how do we pray? He said, pray in this manner," And they follow that pattern. And they built on that pattern. So we have to know that not everyone will be allowed to go into some spaces and places with the anointed one because they don't have miracle faith yet. Yet. They get there, but they don't have it yet. See, Jesus was still teaching and he knew what he was doing when he took only Peter, James and John, which, in my opinion, are examples of strong believers. Oh, they will become strong believers. See, sometimes Jesus will let you see stuff because he knows you will become a strong believer. You don't doubt what God is doing. You may not understand it. You may not have a clue how it works, but you say, OK, God, you did it just like this. I'm going to follow your pattern. See, who along with God, God is always teaching us. Always teaching. Everything. If you, if you pay attention to God, he will teach you something concerning him. Teach you something concerning him. See, that's why at times, mm, 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 read this to you. We try to bring many people into a space where we need our greatest breakthrough. Not everyone, watch this, can handle the problems that we face and deal with the real us when it comes to the problem. See, sometimes I need people in my life that can handle the real me. What do you mean the real me? Sometimes I get, Lord, I shouldn't say it, if I'm going to put it to you out there. Pray for my strength. Sometimes I get afraid. I need somebody to handle me. Oh, you ain't walking in faith, Pastor Dobbs. No, I'm just dealing with something that that, that is hard for me to deal with right now. And I need, I don't need somebody to be down to me. Oh, yeah, if that was me, Pastor Dobbs, I'd be crying too. I don't need that. If I saw my checkbook balance, I'd be crying too. Because I don't know what you're going to do for you, God. <laughs> I don't need people in my life like that. I need people to say, hey, you know what? He provided for you last week, the week before that, the week before that, and the week before that. He'll provide this week, and the following week, and the week after. Walking by faith and not by sight. I need people my life, that when I'm dealing with oppression or depression, they said, you know what, Dobbs, you're going to make it through this situation. You're going to make it. See, sometimes, I'll be honest, I get weak too. So I need people in my life that's going to be, say, oh Lord, I can't believe you preached all that stuff Sunday, and Sunday afternoon you're dealing with can handle the real me. Handle the real me. See, not everybody ready to handle the real you. Read it to read. They to They think that you are just singing all these songs, but every now and then, the song you're singing, you gotta live them. Gotta live these songs. These songs are not just songs that we sing. They sing them from a place where they gotta live this. Hey, when you minister this word, you gotta live this word. And sometimes you, that, that word gonna challenge you. One of the things I, I, I always go through this, and this, I'm just sharing this with you. I always got to be. I'm challenged with what I minister to you. I always tell what I mess to you. I'm challenged with it. So by the time I tell you, I'm telling you from a place where I can just really just tell you from here. But I got to give you word to back up what I'm saying. Are y'all seeing the difference there? Some people can't handle the real you. People always think that you hold it and, and never get upset, never get angry, never, 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 never. Woo! Look around and tell them you will be surprised. And tell your neighbor, not really. <laughs> now, what makes this so powerful to me? Go to Acts 9, 36 through 42. I want to show you something that happened with Peter. Acts 9. I know it's part of your notes, but you got just mark this one down because it's a good one to mark. Acts 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 42. I want you to think about what we're about to read. Remember, Peter was at this particular event. And I'm going to show you something that Peter learned from this event that he actually practiced when he got into the same type situation. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This one was full of good works and terrible deeds which she did but it happened in those days that she became sick and died when they had washed her they laid her in an upper room and since Lydia was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there they sent two men to him imploring him not to delay in coming to them then Peter rose and went with them then when he had come they brought him to the upper room now watch this all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them, isn't that like folks standing around the body talking about all the stuff she did while she was alive? Jesus came to pray. I mean, excuse, Peter came to pray, but knows what Peter did. But Peter put them all out. You think some people got offended? Probably did. Got offended because Peter said, "I put." I don't know how he did it, but he put them all out. All up. Bible says he put all of them out. Now, why you emphasize this, Pastor? I'm going to show you something now. I'm going to show you something. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed and turned to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was, he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon of Tanner. Now, where did Peter get that from? Let's look at it today. Let's look at it. Where did Peter? Now, Peter um, the, Peter. put everybody out. I can say kick everybody out. Same thing. <laughs> put everybody out because they're sitting over the body, weeping, showing all things he had done. He put them all out. He prayed. She got up, and she was alive. Where did he get that from? Let's go back over to our text today. Let's go back over to our text. i want to show you where you got it from. Because remember, a strong believer follows the pattern that Christ put before us. He follows the pattern that Christ put before us. So now let's go over to, let's go 38. Oh, sorry. 38. Mark 5, 38. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumbling and those who wept and wailed. Well, Lily, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion? And we, the child is not dead, but sleeping. These folks were making a commotion. They were just a disturbance. They had some noise going on. They were troubled in their mind. They, was trying to, they were throwing things into confusion. And he said, the child is not dead, but sleeping. And then it goes on to say in verse 40, and they ridiculed him, but he had put them all outside. He put the, he put them out. They in there weeping and crying and everything. He put them all outside. Not at the room, but outside. It didn't matter what the weather was. He put them outside. Peter put them all what? Out. Where did he get it from? Jesus put them all out. He followed the pattern of his savior. Are y'all following me here? He followed the pattern of his savior. I'm going to look at this a little bit further. Notice this. Everybody's sitting around weeping, but when he put them out, knows how the atmosphere just changed. The atmosphere changed. See, when you put certain people out, the atmosphere going to change. Miracles are about to take place in this situation. So now, but knows how when he told them that they were asleep, that that the girl was asleep, they ridiculed him. They laughed in the scorn. They made a mockery of him. As they, they say, you a joke. Can you imagine telling our Savior you a joke? But let me say this to you. In 2020, some people say what you're doing for Christ, you a joke. They say you going to church during a pandemic, you a joke. You don't know what you're doing. Let me tell you what the world doing. The world tells you to, to stop while they can continue to conduct business. Don't you let the world fool you. Don't fall for the okie-doke of the world. Because the world telling you to stay at home while they're doing business every day. Every day they doing business. I guarantee you. I go downtown and I say, man, look at all these folks up here. We're supposed to be locked down. I can't get nowhere. We should have a traffic jam in the middle of a lockdown. <laughs> well, y'all get that a little later. Keep on believing that stuff if you want to. You better be, make sure you follow the omniscient God. You better follow Jesus. You better follow, put your mask on, keep on following him. Are y'all following him? You better go vote, keep on following while Are y'all following him? Whether you mail it in or you do whatever, but you to keep on following him. Don't you sit around here and talk about, well, I'm going to wait till everything clear up. You might be to 2022 before you get out. you follow me? You got to follow Jesus. Because everybody else will moved on. Uh, you keep, yeah, keep, keep on sitting. All right, get out of that, dogs! Get out of that. Get out of that. Verse 40, he put them out. He put them out. He put them all outside. He removed them. He ejected them. He expelled them. <laughs> he forced them to leave. And he took the father and the mother and the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. And then sometimes, hallelujah, sometimes that once the foolishness cleared, the miracle took place. What I mean, clear, unclouded. He put, they put out the ones that were causing the habit. See, sometimes you have that question: Who or what is God asking us to clear out of our lives? Who or what is God asking us to clear out of our lives? I, got, I wrote down three things. Follow me when I give you these three things: someone or something that is hindering our faith. Someone or something that is hindering our faith. And and let me say this to you. You may not always like the answer. You may not always like the answer. That person, they hinder you. I I like that person, God. They hinder you. And you know what, God, he'll tell you maybe one or two times, but he ain't going to argue with you. He ain't going to let you go through it. And then you're like, okay, God, you're right. I need to delete their phone number. I need to get them out of my phone. I need to lose their address. I need to let this person go because they're hindering my faith. Second one, certain things that get our time and we have no personal time with Jesus. You got to make sure you have personal time with Jesus. You got to make sure you got personal time with Jesus. Yeah, you, listen, nothing wrong watching television, but you gotta have personal time with Jesus. Morning, noon, or midday, you gotta have personal time with Jesus. You gotta have time for Jesus to talk to you and say, hey, what's going on my son or my daughter? I need to talk to you. Third thing is, things that get in the way of me receiving knowledge and understanding of the word. Things that get in the way of me receiving knowledge and understanding of the word. See, we may have foolishness hindering our miracle in our family, our business, our home, our school, and so forth. See, there's some interruptions we can't control, but there's some interruptions we have some, that we have surrounded ourselves with that is directly or indirectly making a mockery out of our faith in the one true God. They're making a mockery. Just like they made mockery, tried to make a mockery of Jesus, they're trying to make a mockery of you as well. We can't allow that to happen. See, I thought about this, too. This is just me thinking. This is me thinking. This is me thinking. I thought about some of the people he put out, their relationship to Jairus and his wife. I said, because you think about it, in that situation, he probably put out family members. I told you, went like all my answers. But that's okay, though. <laughs> he probably put out parishioners from his synagogue. Because you know, who going to gather around when you got a loved one to die? Your fellow church people? Your family? So who he put out? Fellow church people? Family? And friends. Because he had friends. Around. I'm sure friends came around. See, back then, they didn't have CNN, uh, Fox 5, and all them. They just had each other. Gossip was strong back in that day. The grapevines, we call it, uh, was strong back in the day. They had nothing on another, but everybody knew what was going on. And so, therefore, they all gathered around. I'm sure that Jared they didn't let anybody in the house. So I imagine they let some trusted people from the synagogue in, let some family in, and some trusted friends in. And when Jesus got there, he put them all out. I know that's kind of tight, but I want to get see the picture. I want you to see the picture that sometimes you got to put these people out of your life if they don't have the miracle power in your life. And you can't be offended because you'll miss out on what God is doing in your life. You'll miss out on the person that was dead being rising back to dead. You'll miss out on your finances that were dead being rose back up again. You'll miss out on your mental mindset being dead rising up again. You'll miss out on what God is doing in your life if you don't put them out. I'm not saying you don't let them back in after everything is done. But this will be a moment in your life you got to put them out. Hey, you can't, and listen, let me say this to you. If you get put out, don't be offended by it. Some people, when they get put out, they get offended like, I should have been put out back then. I prayed not now as much, but you know, back then I should have been put out. Because I would have messed up their miracle. I would have messed up their deliverance. I would have messed up their protection. I would have messed up their prosperity. But now I pray I'm in a better place in my spiritual life. But if you ain't, don't get mad when somebody puts you out. Just learn to grow from it. We get offended at some stuff that shouldn't even be bothering us. Some stuff need to be in the point where we somebody corrects us. We need to say, thank you for loving me enough to correct me. Thank you for loving me enough to correct me. Because I want to get right with God. I ain't got time to be messing around with all of this foolishness. I need for you to clear the atmosphere so I can get a miracle in my life. I need my debts canceled. I need my body healed. I need. And I don't need to be messing around with that foolishness in my life. I need to get foolishness out of my life. And if you see me as being foolish, I need to be able to look in the mirror and say, hey, Dom, something ain't right about that. They should be calling you in so you can see the miracle, but they could tell you to stay back. Especially when Jesus put them out. You know, Jesus knew exactly who to put keep and who to put out. When you read about Peter, you ain't read nothing about what Peter, James, and John did. did you? But it, they saw it. Look what Peter did. As soon as he got in his own certain situation, he followed the same pattern that Jesus did. See, so that's why he let him in. Because he knew Peter would say, hey, I can't go in this thing and doubt and unbelief. I got to go in here learning. See, some people would have saw what Jesus did and then have said, Oh, that's good for you, but I ain't got to do that. I know y'all glad I'm not missing next week, but that's okay, though. I'm going to hit you today with it, though. I'm going to hit you right between the eyes with this one today. You got to know that when God puts you out, it's not a bad thing. It's a cause for you to grow. And this is the thing. Don't have an attitude where they put me out, and I ain't going to do nothing no way. That's the problem with some people right now. They get put out, and they think it's over. Let me tell you something. When I used to play ball, even when I was on I used to play ball. When I didn't start, I used to be I'm going to work harder until I can't start. I'm a, now, there were some skills I didn't have, like, you know, basketball skills. But football skills, oh, I could pick them skills up. I said, Anyway in the world, I'm not going to start. And so by the ninth grade, I was still starting. They told me when I got to eighth grade, I wasn't going to start ninth grade. I said, that made me angrier. <laughs> I said, I'm to get, you can get me on the sideline all you think you want, but that ain't happening today. I was gonna say then, Now I got greater in here. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I should be in a position that I should do better. Because I got Jesus in me. I ain't got the world stuff in me like I used to have, but I got Jesus in me. And if Jesus says I can have it, I can have it. If he wants me to walk by faith, I'm going to walk by faith. If he wants me to be the head, I'm going to be the head. If he wants me to be an overcomer, I'm going to be an overcomer. If he wants me to be all that God called for me to be, I'm going to be there. That's why I volunteer like I do. That's why you see me running like I do. Because Jesus be good to me. You know what? I don't want to miss the miracle. I don't want to miss the miracle. Can you imagine all the people that missed the miracle because of how weeping and hollering and confusion going on? I, I would have passed out on them said, yes, I would have kicked them out too. Let me tell you something. I can understand what I mean by this. I, I thought about this example and I said, Lord, you want me to say it? I'm going to say it. By the way, my clock stopped a long time ago, so I don't know how much time I got left. Y'all pray for me, okay? Uh, Sometimes I go to hospitals, I have to redirect people in their faith. Redirect people. Because some people have said, it's over. And I have to remind them, it's not over To God says it's over. And you got to know them. Because I understand, this person dealing with pain in their body, and that pain real. And they hurting. And they going through some real tremendous but you got to remind them, that's why I'm there for. I should come in there with faith and power, not in doubt and unbelief. And then and, 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 and sometimes, you know, by the Spirit of God, you're going to say, hey, just make them comfortable. You got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because some people, gotta, they got to be comfortable because you just don't know that this is it. Because it's some point that the man wants to die, and after that, the resurrection. But you can't go in your flesh when you go into a situation. Come tell you something. People that are dying, this is my observation. When people are dying, especially when they're dying, they just don't look in the natural. They look like they're going through. I mean, they look almost like death. They look like it. And you got to be able to discern when to pray for the prayer of faith or pray that God will comfort them. The most important thing is, are they right with God? Are they right with God? That right with God, because let me tell you something. Once God called your number, that's it. That's it. You got to be ready. Let me finish this up. Finish this up. So let's pick up in Mark five forty one forty two. Mark 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 five forty one forty two. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her Talitha, Talitha Kuma, which is translated Little girl, I say to you, arise. is that same thing Peter said? Same thing Peter said. Immediately the girl rose and walked, and she was there twelve and she was twelve years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. Overcome with great amazement. So this particular scripture demonstrates to us what happens when we clear the atmosphere for Jesus to work on our behalf as will our household. So he took the girl by the hand, said to her, Talitha Kuma, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, rise, raise up, be productive, live again. Immediately the girl arose and, and walked. She was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. They were astonished. They were in wonderment. See, strong believers. Get to see the miracles. They don't speak doubt and unbelief because of what they see. I'm really impressed. Let me tell you, um, one of the people I'm really impressed with in this text, because I can I can only imagine if I was in that situation, is Jairus and his wife. They had been through a tremendous roller coaster of experience. They had seen their daughter die, or excuse me, mother saw her die. And now the father heard that his daughter's dead. And now they see their daughter is alive again. I can imagine the roller coaster of emotions that they went through. They experienced, but their whole premise was based on six words. Do not be afraid. Only believe. See, strong believers believe the word. Even though they can't see what's going on. They can't quite understand it because they walk by faith and not by sight. It saved their daughter's life. It saved their daughter's life. They had to clear the room. Probably friends, family workers, co-workers, fellow parishioners, so forth. We can't afford to let an interruption hinder us, even think that God has forgotten about us. Remember when Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house? He got interrupted by a woman with an issue of blood. You almost think that Jesus had forgotten about you, daughter. But he hadn't forgotten. He was still in control of the whole situation. Let me say this to you. When interruptions happen, never think that God has forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about you. I believe Jesus allowed this interruption to happen as well as interruption in our lives to show us That his way and his timing is the best way. When life gives you a roller coaster, you need to be connected to strong believers. You need to be a strong believer yourself, but you need to be a strong believer connected to strong believers. I'm done. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.